Well, pastors know that when you talk about money, you better start with a joke. So there's three kids sitting on a curb. One says, you know, my father's so talented that he writes a few words on a piece of paper and turns it in, and they give him $100 because he calls it a poem. Next one says, well, my father, he draws some scattered lines on a piece of paper, and he calls it art, and they give him $300 for it. Next one says, oh, that's nothing. My father puts some words on a few pages of paper, calls it a sermon. It takes five people to collect all the money for that. It's so important that when we hear the scripture that we just shared responsibly, that we hear it with the right spirit. Just like we talked about last Sunday, we were talking about how not to be a hypocrite, that we need to hear these words shared with a spirit of love. But that's hard to hear sometimes because when we talk about the stewardship of our financial resources, we tend to get a little protective, don't we? Again, tend to focus on... Uh, where we fall short, and we hear these words perhaps as Jesus judging or scolding us. But the tone of voice I believe we need to hear when we hear these words is one of compassion, one of concern. That Jesus talking to that crowd that's on the hill, that poor in spirit, that he knows how much the materialism of this world can change us. He knows how money changes us as people. He knows how the more we accumulate with our wealth, the more we tend to be desensitized to those who find much more challenging circumstances in our life. He knows that when we have lots of possessions, sometimes they begin to possess us. And so he's sharing these words as words of wisdom to a people that need to hear that it's more important for us to store up treasures in heaven than the treasures of this earth where we're here for such a very short time. I've been in that stage of my life watching my four children who are uh, moving into adulthood and, and now establishing homes. And now, as of just a few weeks ago, all four of my kids now own a home. And, and I've embraced that with mixed feelings because I'm, I'm starting to reach that stage of my life where I kind of wanted to simplify things. You know, a lot of us are downsizing now, right? And, and you've kind of been there, done that. You've had all those possessions and realized they only do so much for you. And, and, and therefore, we're, we're trying to go the other direction. So I, I've said to them, just, just be aware that with home ownership becomes lots of responsibility. Uh, my daughter, Sasha and her husband, Caleb, just recently bought a townhouse in Nashville. Seems like a pretty safe investment, and it kind of fits their lifestyle. They're busy. Uh, they don't have to worry about yard work. It's a fairly new town home, so they don't have a lot of fixing up to do. So we've been pretty excited for them. And then... The week they close in their house, two days later, they come home from work and they see that the kitchen ceiling is raining water. See, they had an upstairs laundry and someone didn't quite get the, the washer hooked up exactly right and when they did a load of wash, it all went through and they had a mess. And I said, welcome to home ownership. With our possessions comes responsibility. Jesus was sharing these words because he was trying to share good news with them, giving them advice so that they don't get caught up in the concerns and worries of this world. 
You know, every Christian has to come to terms with a couple things. One is to realize that if we are somewhat successful in this life, if we've developed a comfortable lifestyle, if we've got plenty of money in our 401k, that puts us in a special place on this world. Because on this earth, there are 3 billion people, half the population, that live on $2.50 a day. 1.3 billion people live in extreme poverty and make $1.25 a day. UNICEF tells us that there is 22,000 children that die every day from poverty and starvation. Even if we live with a moderate income in this world, in this country, we are rich. We are very rich. And we follow a Lord who is very much an itinerant preacher who walked everywhere he went. He was someone who knew hunger. He knew thirst. The environment was often dry and dusty. And he lived on other people's generosity. The food that he ate came from either fishing or gleaning, just like the poor in the Jewish law called for, by gleaning from the grains of the fields that they walked through, or he relied upon the generosity of others. That's how our Lord lived. Jesus described himself when he said, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And yet Jesus, as he walked, as he came across in the cities of Sepphoris near his hometown of Nazareth, at Tiberias, which was right by the Sea of Galilee, and in the cities of the Decapolis, he'd find many homes of the rich, those that had plenty of food to eat and plenty of entertainment and luxury places to live. He knew of King Herod's bathhouses on Masada and other locations. He lived on very little, and he lived and dwelled among those who had even less. And he contrasted that with the wealth that he often saw around him. You see, if we're to take Jesus seriously and we care about people, then every day we have to wrestle with ourselves with the challenge of how many resources can we spend on ourselves and how much are we called to give to a world that is very much in need for the glory of God. Now, please don't think that I'm calling each of us to avow poverty. Don't think I'm telling you to sell everything you have and go off to some godforsaken place and try to make a difference in the world. We're not called to replicate Jesus' ministry. We're not called to replicate that first century life in Galilee. Instead, we're called to follow Jesus in our context and listen for God's call on our lives. Let me repeat that. Our calling is to follow Jesus in our context and to listen for God's call on our lives. As you think about it, Think of how Jesus relied upon the wealth of others. Remember that scripture we shared a couple of weeks ago in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3? It was talking about the entourage that included the wife of the servant of King Herod. And he closes out that little section saying, Joanna, the wife of King Herod's servant, Chusa, Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. Jesus relied upon the wealth that others had accumulated. And then when he sent out the disciples two by two to share the good news, he gave them the same advice. He told them to rely upon those who would hear the gospel and depend upon them. So to say that Jesus is calling us to give everything up 
call on every person to sell all that they have is not following the facts that are shared here. Jesus calls us to simplicity. This is not a call of making a statement about any economic system, capitalism or otherwise. None of these systems are evil in themselves. It's a matter of worship. See, Jesus knows that that money, mammon as it's called here in in the Greek, has the power to rival God. And we can only serve one master. We cannot serve two masters. Jesus is not calling us towards radical, intentional poverty, but towards simplicity for the benefit of the kingdom and for others. So any spiritual assessment has to consider the allocation of our resources. We can't separate the spirit from what we do with our time and with our money. Jesus talked a lot about money and possessions. His favorite way of talking was through parable, right? He shared 38 parables, and 16 of those 38 talk about money and possessions. You look in the Bible, you find there are 500 verses that talk about prayer. You also find there are 500 verses that talk about faith, and there's 2,000 verses that talk about money and possession. Jesus talked a lot because he knew that that represents us and involves so much of what we do with our time and our energy. The best evidence of our faithfulness is to look at our bank accounts or look at our credit card statements. And the challenge I would give for those of us who have afforded a comfortable lifestyle is that if we give only at minimum 10%, either to our church, to a charity, or a nonprofit combined at least, at minimum, then we are a taker instead of a giver. We reap the benefits of living in one of the richest places on this earth. And therefore, we're called to share that wealth, to give back what he's given to us. So I invite you to do an assessment of where your money goes. Does it really reflect the values that you claim to believe in? Are you able to let go of it when clear need presents itself? How much investment do we have in taking care of our stuff, cleaning our stuff, protecting our stuff, upgrading our stuff? Are we riding that treadmill of money and possession, or are we living freely for God? Again, nothing wrong with making money, nothing wrong with investing money or spending money, But God wants us to be carefree, not careless. Have you found that balance in your life? And Jesus shares a method for us to find that carefree attitude. In this passage, he he tells the people in his day, look at the birds of the skies. Look at the lilies of the field. And remember, they lived in an area that had some sources of water, but they were not always dependable. And so these kind of wildlife are luxuries. When he refers to lilies, he's not talking about the kind of lilies we do on Easter. Lilies represented all the wildflowers, and he points to them that that these show up totally on their own without anybody cultivating them. But there's nothing mysterious about the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field. They're just for Jesus 
for the people of his day, signs of his abundance. So I thought maybe a good way to reflect and, and illustrate this passage is to invite people to share their signs of abundance. So I went on Facebook and I sent out to my friends, how about you share with me pictures you have on your cell phone right now that are signs of abundance for you. I couldn't use them all. But let me show these to you and let them serve as a visual prayer for you. I invite you to calm your spirits and look and let's, let's just let these elicit in us the abundance that we feel in our lives. So signs of new life. Vistas of mountains along a shoreline. Waterfalls in the Hawaiian Islands. The beauty of the seasons. Amazing sunsets. The ministry of a teeter organic farm. Pets who bring us unconditional love. The blessing of mission trips like Mission Guatemala to give kids the world. The blessing of children with neurodiversity. Church people who've become our extended family. Cousins. Watching children explore and discover. And young love that reminds us that life carries on. So let the signs of God's abundance in your life free you up so that God can truly be God in your life and money in our possessions can take their proper place. Nothing wrong with having them. But let us serve first God and his kingdom and all that it follows. And then share what he's given to us in our abundance with others. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for all that you've done for us. So many blessings, so many ways that our lives have been enriched. So let us find how and listen to your call to give freely, to not be burdened by the worries of this world, to truly build treasures for heaven, for life that will be eternal. That is our prayer on this day through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.